Hello, Set Apart Saints. This is David Nakao Wilcoxon. This audio is from the Olivet Discourse Decoded video series. The videos were low-tech, mostly me just reading what's on the screen. So you're not missing much in the audio version. The Olivet Discourse Decoded PDFs that I refer to in the lessons can be found at www.theolivetdiscourse.com. Enjoy the lesson. Hello, Set Apart Saints. This is David. And in the last five videos, I covered the horrific time of Great Tribulation for the Jewish nation during the Jewish-Roman War of 66 to 70 AD. In this lesson, I'm going to go through verses 23 to 29 of Matthew 24. Matthew 24, 23 to 26 says, Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise a false Christ and false prophet, and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. False messiahs deceive the Jews who are looking to be delivered by Yah the Heavenly Father from the mighty Roman army. Albert Barnes notes on the Bible from 1832 says, The Jews expected the Messiah to deliver them from Roman oppression. In the time of these great calamities, they would anxiously look for him. Many would claim to be the Messiah. Many would follow them. Many would rejoice to believe that he was come and would call on others, Christians with the rest, to follow them. You have evidence that the Messiah has come, and you are not to be deceived by the plausible pretensions of others. John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible from 1809 says, Either at the time when the seed shall begin, and the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, or during the days of tribulation while the siege lasted, or after those days were shortened and the city destroyed, and the Roman army was gone with their captives, when some that were scattered up and down in the country would insinuate to their countrymen that the Messiah was in such a place. For both during the time of the siege there were such that sprung up and pretended to be Messiahs, and deliverers of them from the Roman power, and had their several abettors one saying he is in such a place, and another that he was in such a place, and so spirited up the people not to fly, nor to deliver up the city. And also, after the city was taken and destroyed, one and another set up for the Messiah. Jewish historian Josephus noted, a false prophet was the occasion of these people's destruction, which made a public proclamation in the city that very day of its desolation, that God commanded them to get up on the temple and that they should receive miraculous signs of their deliverance. But then the Roman army desolated those people who were deceived by the false prophet. Matthew twenty four twenty seven says, For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Josephus recorded that the Roman army approached Jerusalem from the east, from the Mount of Olives, which overlooks the city. How fitting the Messiah proclaimed his Olivet Discourse from this location, saying that the Jewish leaders and their temple would be desolated in that generation. In the same place, the desolators, the Roman army, stood to overlook Jerusalem before they desolated it. The Romans were used by Messiah to execute his wrath on the Jews who rejected him. Interestingly, one of the legions that Titus used to attack Judea was Roman Legion 12, which was called the Thunderbolt 12th legion. So Messiah foretold lightning coming against the Jewish nation, and here's the thunderbolt 12th legion coming against them. 
In Dissertations on the Prophecies, Dr. Thomas Newton from 1754 says, What a learned prelate observes from Josephus is very memorable, that the Roman army entered into Judea on the east side of it, and carried on their conquest westward, as if not only the extensiveness of the ruin, but the very route which the army would take, was intended in the comparison of the lightning coming out of the east and shining even unto the west. Matthew twenty four twenty eight says, For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. The term carcass well represents the utterly corrupted Jewish state, and the Roman army, who had eagles on their legions ensign, and came to desolate the unbelieving Jews. Messiah is alluding to Jeremiah 7.33, which was a warning to the house of Judah of the coming destruction at the hands of the Babylonians. It says, And the carcasses of this people shall be meat for the fowls of the heaven and for the beasts of the earth, and none shall fray them away. Now this would happen by the hands of the Roman army coming to desolate the Jews. The Romans surrounded the carcass of Jerusalem, which was full of dead bodies from civil war. Josephus documented the eagles that represented the Roman army. Now the king, Herod, had put up a very large golden eagle over the great gate of the temple, of very great value, and had dedicated it to the temple. The leaders of the cohorts were followed by the ensigns, with the eagle at the head of every Roman legion, the king and strongest of all birds, a signal of dominion. And before them came the trumpeters belonging to them, and next came the main body of the army in their ranks every rank being six deep. The Romans, after the flight of the Jews from the Holy House, brought their four ensigns into the temple and set them up at the eastern gate and did make sacrifice to them. Albert Barnes notes on the Bible says, The words in this verse are proverbial. Vultures and eagles easily ascertain where dead bodies are and came to devour them. So the Roman army. Jerusalem is like a dead and putrid corpse. Its life is gone and it is ready to be devoured. The Roman armies will find it out, as the vultures do a dead carcass, and will come around it to devour it. This proverb also teaches a universal truth. Wherever wicked men are, there will be assembled the instruments of their chastisement. The providence of God will direct them there, as the eagles are directed to a dead carcass. This leads us to Matthew twenty-four twenty-nine. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Easton's Bible Dictionary says that darkness can be a symbolism of judgment, misery, and adversity. Luke 21, 25-26 points to signs in the heavenly bodies, and it says, And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear. And for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. This is a Hebraic idiomatic expression which can be used to describe the fall of a government, so the powers are being shaken. The sun, moon, and stars are symbolic of earthly dignitaries, great political authorities, and the great lights in the political or religious heavens. In Genesis 37, 8-10, we see the principle of heavenly bodies representing leadership structure when Joseph had a dream. It says, And he dreamed yet another dream, and told it to his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun, and the moon, and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father, and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him, and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? 
Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? So Joseph's father understood the symbolism of heavenly bodies pointing to leadership structure. He was the sun, his mother was the moon, and his eleven brothers were the stars of Joseph's dream. When the Heavenly Father casts judgment on a nation, he uses the symbolism of heavenly bodies to describe the downfall and darkening of that kingdom. So here are some examples that are not about the literal sun, moon, and stars. Isaiah 13.10 is referring to the Babylonian leaders being removed from power by the Medo-Persians. It says, For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. This is confirmed in Isaiah 13, 15-17, which describes the Medes being sent against the Babylonian kingdom to darken their leadership. Isaiah 34, 3-5 foretold Edomia's destruction, the Edomites, and other nations which were enemies. It says, Their slain also shall be cast out, and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. And all the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll. And all their hosts shall fall down, as the leaf falleth off from the vine, and as a falling fig from the fig tree. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon Idumea, and upon the people of my curse, to judgment. Ezekiel 32, 6-8 points to the Babylonians desolating Egypt, removing the Pharaoh, the sun, and the leaders, the moon, from power. It says, I will also water with thy blood the land wherein thou swimmest, even to the mountains, and the rivers shall be full of thee. And when I shall put thee out, I will cover the heaven, and make the stars thereof dark. I will cover the sun with a cloud, and the moon shall not give her light. All the bright lights of heaven will be made dark over thee, and set darkness upon thy land, saith the Lord God. Daniel 8, 9-10 points to Antiochus Epiphanes, killing Jewish hierarchy, the priests and Levites, who are symbolized by the host and stars. It says, And out of one of them came forth a little horn, a little leader, which waxed exceedingly great, towards the south, towards the east, and towards the pleasant land. And it waxed great, even to the hosts of heaven, and it cast down some of the hosts and of the stars to the ground, and stamped upon them. The sixth seal of Revelation is about the pagan Roman Empire declining from the previous judgments, which were the bloody civil war was the red horse, economic strife was the black horse, famine, pestilence, and death the pale horse. It's about Roman Emperor Constantine fighting against the other emperors to take control, darkening the power of the other leaders. It says, And I beheld, when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, great political upheaval. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. So in other words, the other emperors became dark, and they lost their power, and their leaders, their, the moon with them. The fourth trumpet of Revelation points to Adoeser and the Heruli, a branch of the Goths, who caused the downfall of Roman leadership when Romulus Augustulus, the last Western Roman emperor, the son of the West, was captured in 476 A.D., the hierarchy of the Roman Senate, the moon, and the leaders, the stars, lost power too. It says, And the fourth angel sounded, and a third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and a third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for the third part of it, and the night likewise. One third of the sun being darkened points to the three parts of the Roman Empire. During the trumpet judgments, barbarian army after army were sent to attack the Western Roman Empire, so that third. 
This led to the leader, the son, the Western Roman emperor, being removed from power. The middle part and the eastern part of the Roman Empire were attacked during the fifth and sixth trumpet judgments, leading to the fall of the Roman Empire in 1453 AD, when the eastern Roman emperor was removed from power. Malachi 4, 1-6 points to John the Baptist, Messiah, the Son of Righteousness, and the coming judgment of the Jewish nation, says, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly, shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that I shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb, for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah, John the Baptist, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So Malachi is pointing to John the Baptist, who preceded Messiah, the son of righteousness. The Jews who believed in Messiah were saved, but those who rejected him and delivered him up to be killed, they were judged. So we see many examples of the symbolism of heavenly bodies describing leaders. So applying the symbols to Matthew 24, 29, we can see that the Jewish leaders having their power structure removed is indicated. The high priest was the sun, the Sanhedrin council was the moon. And the many rabbis were the stars. They were either killed or taken captive and sold as slaves, casting the Jewish leader system down, darkening it. Interestingly, when Messiah was captured by the Jewish leaders in the Garden of Gethsemane, he pointed to the darkness of the Jews' actions, says, Then Jesus said unto the chief priests and captains of the temple and elders, which were come to him, But ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves? When I was daily with you in the temple, ye stretched forth no hands against me, but this is your hour and the power of your darkness. The Jewish leader's darkest hour was when they delivered Messiah up to be killed because they filled up their father's transgressions in killing those who the heavenly father sent to them. Mark 13, 24-25 says, But in those days after the tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. Messiah used the Roman army to extinguish the Jewish nation. This fulfilled the prophecy in Daniel 12:7, which says that the power of the holy people, the Jewish leadership, would be scattered. It says, And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swore by him that live forever, that it shall be for a time, times, and half. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. So he's pointing to the scattering of the Jewish nation during the three and a half years of the Jewish-Roman War of 66 to 70 AD. Daniel 12, 1-3 points to the Jews who believed in Messiah, calling them stars. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the prince which shall standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was, since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time, thy people, the Jews, shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. So he's saying, he's pointing to the Jews who believed in Messiah, whose names are written in the book. 
and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life. Here comes Messiah carrying out his ministry, and some Jews woke up, and they saw that he's the promised Messiah, and they accepted him as their Messiah, and they get everlasting life. But others rejected them. It says, and some to shame and everlasting contempt, and they that be wise. So the Jews who accepted their promised Messiah shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. So once again, we see the symbolic language of people being represented by light, by stars, as they reflect the light of the Son of Righteousness, the light of the world, Messiah. So the disciples would have understood the symbolism. The Sanhedrin, the Pharisaic priesthood, and the political powers of Jerusalem were all about to be overthrown, as Messiah had just rebuked them in Matthew 23, saying that judgment would come upon them in that generation. In a literal sense, the city of Jerusalem and the temple were on fire, and pillars of smoke arose from them. This would have darkened the sun and caused the moon to not give its light. Regarding the phrase, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken, in Matthew 24-29, it uses symbolic language for great commotions in the earth's kingdoms. So the power of the Ruach Spirit, the Holy Spirit, was poured out on the early church saints at Pentecost, and 3,000 Jews came to faith. It says, And it shall come to pass afterward, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. But then Joel 2, 30-31 points to the desolation of Jerusalem and the temple and the Jewish leadership system being removed from power. says, And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. The sun, the high priest, the moon, the Sanhedrin were darkened. The terrible day of the Lord came in that generation in judgment of the Jewish nation in 70 AD. Then Joel 2, 32 proclaims that all of the Jews who believe in Messiah are delivered. It says, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance as the Lord has said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall come. Acts 2, 16-21 confirms that this was fulfilled in the first century. It says, But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old man shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth below blood and fire and vaporous smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it ends the same way, that all who call on the name of Messiah are saved. This is the same message that Daniel proclaimed. Albert Barnes notes on the Bible from 1832 says, the images here used are not to be taken literally. They are often used by the sacred writers to denote any great calamities as the darkening of the sun and moon and the falling of the stars would be an inexpressible calamity. So any great catastrophe, any overturning of kingdoms or cities or dethroning of kings or princes is represented by the darkening of the sun and moon and by some terrible convulsion in the elements. As you can see, 
The symbolic language of Matthew 24, 29 is describing the casting down of the Jewish leaders from power, ending the Jewish national existence. It's not talking about the literal sun, moon, and stars being darkened in the end times. I want to end this chapter with the passage in Isaiah 60, 19-22, which is saying that no earthly leader symbolized by the sun guides the saints, but rather it points to the Son of Righteousness, Messiah as our leader. It says, The sun shall be no more thy light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light, and thy God thy glory. The sun shall no more go down, neither shall thy moon withdraw itself. For the Lord shall be thine everlasting light, and the days of thy morning shall be ended. Thy people also shall be all righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in this time. Messiah is the Son of Righteousness. He is the light of the world that illuminates our path. In the next video, I'll talk about Messiah coming on the clouds of judgment of the Jewish nation. Thank you for listening to this Olivet Discourse Decoded audio. You can save and print Olivet Discourse Decoded PDF summaries. You can request a free copy of the Olivet Discourse Decoded book or order a printed copy at www.theolivetdiscourse.com. Please share this podcast audio with others so that they can see the glory of Messiah in the fulfillment. I love y'all. Shalom.